on the subject of Josiah, which turns out to be my favorite king, because it's God's favorite king, at least what he says about it, he's, he's something else. And we know from uh, reading in uh, 2 Kings chapter 22, 23, 24, and, Chron and 2 Chronicles 34, 35, this boy turns it on. I mean, he does not hold back about what he's going to do to be right with God and to get things cleaned up in the nation that he's been given to lead. This is after he hears the word of God. Now, he's already been taking care of business, but he turns up the heat at age 26 after hearing about God's judgment. Even though the judgment's being delayed as he lives, it's until after he dies that judgment will come, he still decides to do right. And I've said every week, he did right because it was right to do. And that's I started thinking about what he's doing here, and we talked a little bit about this last week. He's putting away. He's cleaning up cleaning house, and as I was coming to church, and I've thought about this a few times in the last couple of weeks, is, you know, how, how many times do we step back in life and start to examine our own life and evaluate perhaps things in our life that are not pleasing to God, things that we need to clean house, whether it's something in our house or something in our heart that needs to be cleaned up, because really that's the, that's really the theme of this while we study this, is he cleaned house, I know physically, but it started with a spiritual decision of getting right with God and saying, we've got to get rid of this mess that's going on in our country. And now and then, it doesn't hurt a believer to do the same thing and say, you know, I got some things in my life that just, I got to understand that this, is, this has got to go. And it's hard to get rid of things, perhaps, that we may call little vices or whatever, but may not be pleasing to God. So it's good to evaluate your life and, and clean house now and then. I got to think about as, as a, a young believer, and I was young. I, I grew up as a, as a classic rock. You know, I was playing guitar in bands, uh, long hair. You know, I was that hippie. I was the guy that you pulled up to next to in the car whose music was on 10 that you can't stand today. I'm no different. I, I you know. Blaring, how do they even hear? But they got that thing on, that was that was me. That was this guy. And so music for me was tremendous power in my life. But after getting saved, it wasn't like music just went away. Now, I know some of you guys are, you know, you got just like that, you got instant, you know, victory over certain things, but that wasn't one of them for me. And finally God just convicted me about it. And I had recorded over the years, I had recorded music from albums. <laughs> well, I can use the word album here because you'd understand. <laughs> There's a group generation out there wouldn't understand. Album? What's an album? And, and I recorded it in a cassette. So I had literally hundreds. Okay. It's cassette. Hey, I, I was going to say VHS or whatever the, what do they call it? A-track. Okay, we went from album to A-track to cassette. When CDs came out, brother, it was big. But I was into the cassette, so I recorded everything on cassettes. Uh, all my music, plus I borrowed people's albums. I had hundreds of these tapes on record, recorded, you know, Memorex or whatever. And I got convicted, and God said, clean that up. Clean that music up. 
not doing you any good. So I was listening to spiritual music too, but you know, you can't have it both ways. So I came under conviction and I took every one of those cassettes and I put them in a garbage bag, garbage bags, threw them in there and took them down to my preacher. I was going to a little church in Hammond, Louisiana at the time, probably 50 people going to that little, it was a little trailer type church. And, uh, but hey, it's where the word of God was being preached. So I, I took those tapes and he had a little tape ministry that he, you know, he would use tapes to, uh, you know, record his sermons. I gave him, I said, look, you got enough tapes to last your lifetime. Well, he started using those tapes, and he goes, and then, I don't know, a couple weeks goes by, he says, we got a problem. I said, what's that? He goes, all the things that I've been preaching and recording over, you can hear the music in the background. He said, so while I'm preaching, you can hear Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and Aerosmith and all the classic rock bands. So he had to make a recall on all his, his cassettes. Sorry, folks. That's what he said. And I just remember, just things like that, just now and then you just got to say, all right, Lord, I got to give this up. I'm not meddling. I'm not trying to meddle here, but people ought to really think about what Josiah is doing is cleaning house. Now, he's doing it from a national level, and he's doing it in a big way. It wouldn't hurt for us to think about it the same way in our own personal lives. So we're here in 2 Kings, and the third action step that he takes out of the 12 action steps he's going to take is he gets rid of the houses of the Sodomites. Now, he doesn't get rid of the Sodomites, which I find really interesting. I don't, I don't understand that, but he gets rid of the place where they play. He gets rid of, kind of takes away their, their playhouses. These, these were worship centers where they were literally giving up their bodies, men and female, for sexual perversion to, to gods of their choice under Baal worship. It was a perversion in the land, and he said, I had enough of it, and he got rid of it. So, you know, it's interesting, I started thinking about, it wasn't the Sodomites that he got rid of, but it was where they were committing the acts of sodomy. And today, it's not actual, the uh, acts of sodomy or perversion of sex being committed, but our school system in the United States is becoming a hotbed of indoctrination for sexual perversion. It was just this week where I read about New York City, New York, not New York City, was uh, mandating their public schools to have a one-hour uh, time with drag queens who were teaching the kids, and the things they were teaching them were as perverted as you can imagine. Shake your booty was one of them. I don't mean to be carnal in that sense, but you've got to understand that stuff's happening. And that this leader took action to get rid and shut those things down. So they didn't have a place to do this stuff. So praise, I pray God raises up some leaders to take some action and get rid of this mess. Because if not, I don't know how any sane, I'm talking moral person, I'm not just talking about Christians could ever put their kid in a public school anymore, knowing this stuff is being indoctrinated. Because when they're young is when they're most influential. And they're why they're so confused, and now they're, oh, I'm going to get on this thing, I better stop. Some, some, some of you folks ought to watch the interview that Biden had. Our president had with a transvestite who was a male 200 days ago, but converting to a female, and how he praised 
him or her, whatever, for their transition. And the whole thing is that supporting gender mutilation, which is giving puberty block blockers and physical surgery to remove whatever it is from a male to a male, female or female to male. At an age under 18 without parents' permission, and that's what's being promoted today. This stuff needs to get shut down or we are in trouble, folks. God is not going to put up with this much longer. I think he's, well, wait till we get to the subject coming up. Because it'll, it'll seal the deal. It'll make, make you start to realize how bad, how far we've gone as a country. Now, I always say, hey, we're bad. You should see other countries. I've read stuff about other countries that would just make your hair stand up. We're not that bad yet. We feel that way because we've been a Judeo-Christian nation, so it's really hard for us to accept it. And as Bible believers, it's really grieving to the soul. So what he does next is he gets rid of the high places, which is just places of worship that included you know, false gods, and they worshiped along with God. They kind of mixed the two. And you read, they brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah. He defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense. He defiled it by taking the objects and paraphernalia, burning it, like we talked about last week, and then casting it on some of the places where they were worshiping. So there was an act of mercy here in verse 9. This is chapter 23, which I found really interesting. He didn't get, he got rid of the priests, but he didn't take the priests out. And just like the Sodomites, he didn't kill them. And he didn't kill the priest, even though they were worthy of death. He showed there's an act of mercy here. Nevertheless, the priests of the high places came, not up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they did eat of the unleavened bread among their brethren. So he let them participate in eating, which is a form of the worship here, of unleavened bread. I, I, I just was taken back by this. It, it says a lot about his character. As angry as he was, toward the sins of the nation and what they had committed, there was this balance that he had of showing mercy. So we all grieve, we're angry toward things that are happening in our country, and, but if we take that anger out without mercy, then we're not representing God in the right way. This old boy's got a balance here of character that display, is displaying God's character and this is why God says, there's been no king like you before and no king after. Because it's not just that he cleaned house, but he cleaned house and showed mercy. Because that's who God is. I'll talk about that in a minute. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. Father, may you bless this time of study. May you use it, Lord, to encourage us, edify us, build us up in the most holy faith. I pray that Christ is, is lifted up and glorified. Help us, Lord, to understand the things that you've, you've put before us, and I pray you use, just use me as a vessel to minister your word uh, according to the spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray as we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I thought of Colossians chapter 3, um, I think it's verse 12, which is speaking to us as believers, is put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, what's he say next? Bowels of mercy. The first thing he lists as God's holy people, beloved of God, elected of God, bowels of mercy. He didn't say put away, get angry. He said mercy. Now, bowels of mercy, bowels is your appetite. 
It's the very place that you hunger for something. So the bowels of mercy ought to be a characteristic found in every child of God. Because what happens is you, the, lo the longer you're saved, the more separated you become, the danger of becoming a Pharisee becomes more real. Become almost self-righteous. Like you can't tolerate anything anymore. But then you forget where you came from. I mean, you're just as much a sinner as you were back then. It's just the grace of God's now on your life. And God saved you. He birthed you in his family. He seated you in the heavenlies with him. And all these good things. But he's saying, hey, one of the characteristics is mercy. And I think that's a, this, this boy showed mercy. I say, boy, age 26, for all of us, that seems like a boy now. You know, I guess age is relative, right? So at age, if you're 26 and you're looking at this room, you're thinking, wow, I really am young, right? But at 26, this guy's doing things that's just amazing as a leader. So he shows bowels of mercy. I think Jesus said it best to those Pharisees, woe unto you Pharisees, that you tithe, so you do the physical easy part, but you omit the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy. They omit it because they were self-righteous. They were clean in their own eyes, but they were dead men, according to the Scripture. So God wants us to show mercy, and despite the fact how upset we get over sin that's going on around us, and that includes sodomy and all this perversion. So. The fourth thing that he does is he shuts down the abortion industry of his day. This, is, this has been going on since the beginning of time. This abortion is not some, something relatively new. This is going on in horrific ways in our country, but it was going on just like that. In fact, these, these people were offering their children, their babies, okay, just birth. They weren't ripping them from the womb like we do today, they were taking the child that was laughing, smiling, crying, whatever, and then offering it to the god of Molech. Molech is the fire god, where they would burn their child alive. So at different ages, you know, and they did this once a year often, and Topith, and he said enough of a killing of babies. Now this is the most serious, I, I know sin is sin, I get it. It, it, we categorize sin based on how serious it is, right? I think God is the same way. He separates this sin from all the other sins they're committing. This is the very sin that God is going to use to judge the nation here in the southern tribes. This one sin, he could not pardon. All the other ones, he, he seemed to overlook, but this one, he said, I'm not going pardoning. He defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnon, that no man might make his son or daughter to pass through the fire to Molech, was the fire god. So they had this, the, the shedding of innocent blood was a thriving business under Manasseh, then Ammon, and now Josiah says, we are not going to put up with this one bit. Now, we are, I would say we were all grateful, tremendous reversal with the decision of Roe versus Wade. We celebrate that decision 
But the reality is our nation hasn't changed a whole lot with that decision. We just don't federally mandate abortion anymore. But we've been aborting babies since, 19, since January or February of 1973, so almost 50 years. So I was doing the math here. We have 63 million recorded abortions since 1973 because the government said it's right to do because a woman has a right to her body. 63 million. Let's put this in perspective. That's 1,285,000,000 babies a year. But that's hard for us to kind of comprehend that. That comes down to 3,522 babies a day. 146 an hour, 2.4 babies a second, have been murdered every day since January or February of 1973. You don't think God's not going to do something about that at some point? I often wonder, may God help us, have we as a nation crossed the Manasseh line? Because the Manasseh line is why God said, I'm not doing it anymore. Now, I don't know. I don't know if God's going to show mercy and because this is a great reversal, and, and there are 16 states out there that are going to eliminate abortion, or 17. 16 have already, they're, they're going with it. You're going to get, you can have an abortion here, come to our state, we welcome you, we celebrate it, all that kind of stuff. And there are 14 that are going to have limitations, and then there are three, I don't I recall, I believe they already had limitations that overrode the federal mandate. I, but the, at the end of the day, that abortion's still going on. It's just lim- more limited. Praise the Lord for that. But, it, but I often wonder, have we crossed the Manasseh line? And I think, you know, how do people who claim to be Christian, this is a clear Christian nation, you hear it all the time, well, we're Christian-based, but how do they reconcile their faith with abortion? Now, I know that nobody in here, as far as I could tell, who's a Bible believer would ever reconcile faith and abortion. Never. Because God's the God of life. He, he is life. And he's the one who determines death, not us. And, you know, we all know the scriptures that talk about being, knowing him while I'm in the womb and all that. We know the heartbeat starts at eight weeks. We understand that clearly. But this is a Christian nation, and they claim to be Christian nation. But yet, listen to these statistics. Based on this cavalier attitude we have toward the killing of innocent. Now, I know I'm on a hobby horse right now, but bear with me, please. The Pew Research Center, which was conducted a survey on the views of abortion, mainline Protestants, 60% favor abortion. Orthodox Christian, 53% favor it. Catholics, which I always thought led the way when it came to this, they, they, got, they took a strong stand. The one thing I, I really appreciate is those, some of these Catholics take a strong stand on abortion. 50% of Catholics favor it. Jew, uh, uh, Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons, which we know are cults, but nevertheless, only 30% or less favor it. Isn't that interesting? The ones that are righteous in the world's eyes, but are wrong on the gospel, are the ones who most least support abortion. Now, we're Bible-believing Baptist fallen heirs, it doesn't have that. 
I assume they falls under Orthodox Christian or mainline Protestant. Baptist not Protestant, but nevertheless, that's that is the, the, the statistics. That tells me we have a nation. Now we understand why we vote the way we do. People say I'm a Christian, but they vote for abortion. And I say in my mind, I can't reconcile that, other than the fact they've rejected the word of God. So I looked at it and said, well, what is a good example of someone who says I can reconcile my faith with abortion and the politics behind it? And so I used Stacey Abrams, everybody's favorite here. Well, believe me, I'm from Georgia. I know people say she gets elected, they're moving. Abortion, and this is what she says, because the value that should overhang everything regarding this question is the right to make our own decisions, the free will that God, I believe, gave us. So what she's saying, in essence, is God's given me a free will, and I can take that free will, and I can decide to take a life because God gave me that decision, that ability. That's how they're reconciling this in their minds. It's kind of, I call it spiritual anarchy. Judges chapter 17 says there was no king in the land. Every man did that which was right in their own eyes. The king represents what? Authority. This is the word of God. It is our authority, our final authority. We submit under this authority. So when we, when we think about the authority, if there's no authority, close the book, I don't read it anymore, I don't care what it says, then I become my own authority. And that's what's happening among people who proclaim faith. So, when she talks about the free will that God, I believe, gave us, she says, well, we know this is nothing other than the God of this world, small g. Who, by the way, Jesus said these incredibly harsh and tough words. He looked at the religious people of his day and he said, Ye are of your father, the devil. He said, The lust of your father you will do. And what was he? A liar and a murderer from the beginning. So they say, Hey, the God I believe gave me this choice to take life. Well, that's the God of this world who's a liar and a murderer. So they have no issue with this. They, don't, they never grasp the idea that they're murdering innocent children. One last thing. Bear with me. Three years ago, New York City lit up the World Trade Center in pink. How many of you remember that? Do you know why they lit that sucker up? Blasso, Blasso? de Blasio and Cuomo in cahoots because the, the, that Congress there just passed a set of laws that allowed women to abort their children after 24 weeks up to birth. And so that was a tremendous victory in the world of, in their eyes, for women's rights for abortion. And so as a regard of that celebration, they lit up the World Trade Center in pink. What I find ironic is that's the very place that 2,700 people died in this country by terrorists. And they're out there celebrating what we all know is murder and death by lighting it up as pink. Have we lost our minds or what? Now, you, you grieve. 
and you're angry about this, can you imagine how God feels about it? And you think he's going to put up with this much longer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think, if we said, absolutely, judgment's coming, well, then we all got to be like Josiah. We're just going to do right because it's right to do. And that's what he did. He knew it was coming. There's no turning back. The judgment's coming. We all feel it. We sense it, right? We kind of understand we can't get away with this stuff. We're trying to live our right. We're trying to honor God. We're trying to glorify. But this thing's getting uglier and darker by the day. And God says, just keep doing right. Just keep doing right. Because it's the right thing to do. So, here's that. Second Kings says, Surely at the commandment of the Lord came this upon Judah to remove them out of the sight for the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he did. Now watch this. And also for the innocent blood that he shed. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. Now for all the other sins, it seems like he pardoned them. He said, just get right, get it right, and I'll I'll forgive you. I'll heal you. I'll take care of you. Well, they didn't. So the judgment did come. But for this, he would not pardon. And that's why when I say, has America crossed the Manasseh line? I often wonder. But if we did, and judgment's coming, we're going to all be like Josiah. We're just going to do what's right because it's right to do. One last thing about this. Uh, so all the sins that were committed, it was the one that would bring God's final judgment. So an interesting parallel. Have you ever noticed that, this is really important, that before every monumental event in history, okay, there, they were killing babies. It just seems like when something really big that God's going to do, they're killing babies. So I went back through the scriptures, the historical scripture of, of fact, is the days of Noah. The Bible says the earth is filled with violence. So there was killing like it was just everyday business, right? This violence involved children as well. This wasn't just adults killing each other. and This was about babies being aborted, children being killed. That The earth filled with violence in the days of Noah. And we know that God judged the world. And, a lot, and you've heard Pastor talk about this. This is the one thing God used to judge them, violence, the one sin, and that included. So, at the time of Moses, who would become the Deliverer, capital D, they were what? Killing babies. So, one of the great events we read in Scripture is Moses is raised up to deliver Israel, which is a type of Christ delivering his people from sin. So, Moses, at the time, they were killing babies. By the way, how were they killing them? They're drowning them. Can you imagine drowning a baby? This is now these are children. Now these are breathing. You know, you're looking at them. They're laughing, crying, and putting them underwater till they die. What's the first plague that God sends? He turns the water into blood. What's the first miracle that's recorded for us in Scripture by Jesus? He turns the water into wine. What's wine a picture of? Blood. Throughout Scripture, it's blood. Interesting. At the time of Christ, 
the deliverer, not only for our sins, but the future deliverer of Israel, like Moses, what were they doing? Killing babies. Every child under the age of two was murdered because Herod did not want the king to, to come to light after he was told about the prophecy. So they were killing babies in these monumental events. And before Christ returns, which we believe may be soon, they're going to be killing babies. Nothing new under the sun. And we're not the only nation doing this, by the way. Other nations, are, they claim to be far advanced over us. See, Christianity is getting in the way of a lot of these policies. That's why they got to get rid of Christianity for that to happen. Well, God's going to take care of that. You know how he's going to do that? He's going to take every one of us out of here through the rapture. That's, that's, that's our hope. We want to go up while we're breathing. I'd rather go while I'm breathing than, uh, than to be buried in the ground and come up. I mean, yeah, at least you go up first if you're in the ground. Yeah. But God's going to take the salt of the earth away. And brother, all hell's going to break loose on this earth. I mean, we can't even comprehend how bad it's going to get. The tribulation and the great tribulation, which hopefully one day I'll share some of that inside. But man, alive. And he's going to dwindle the populations down to nothing. Because judgment is coming no matter what. But before Christ returns, we can be assured, unfortunately, they will be killing babies. There is nothing new under the sun. So, I didn't expect to stay on that subject. I hope, I hope you forgive me for getting a little on a rant. But we got to be talking about this stuff, especially from a scriptural standpoint. Because if Josiah got rid of the sodomites and got rid of the abortion, then we need leaders in our country that will do the same thing. Maybe God will spare us some time, and like Josiah, will delay the judgment. But in 2 Kings, this is, this is a little appetizer here. This is something for you to start thinking about for, not next week, because I won't be here, but the following week. This is a subject that we could spend hours on. And I plan to do that sometime in the near future, because it talks about the spiritual realm that is out there that we don't really quite understand. And what I want to try to get here, and we'll go back through this, is that when he, one of the, the fifth action step he takes here is he gets rid of the horses that the kings of Judah had given to the sun. Hmm. And then he says he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. Why would he take the horses and the chariots away? And it's because they were given over to the gods and the spirits that worked with these gods. This is real. This, this isn't make-believe stuff like, oh, the spirits aren't real, and the lords aren't real, and the gods aren't real. This stuff is going on right now all the time. There's a spiritual war that we cannot see nor understand. And, 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 but he understood this. He said he had enough sense to know they've given these things over. These spirits are real. I'm taking these horses and these chariots away. So they cannot influence God's people. Because this was adulterous worship involving Ra, the sun god. And um, these spirits that were connected to Ra and to Baal, they worked for the gods. And they were often connected. You'll see that in literature. You'll see the sun 
and then you'll see a chariot, and you'll see a horse, and that that's that's the the worship of Ra, and the, the and and the spirits that were involved in it. So what God does in Ezekiel chapter one, and a lot of other places, but Ezekiel one's really He pulls back the veil, and allows us to see what's going on behind the scene. Now He does this throughout Scripture, but we are physical. We have to touch and feel and and see, but God's saying, hey, there's a lot more going on that you cannot see nor will see. And this is one of those. And so the reality is Satan knows this. And he has masterfully moved people throughout ages to worship the very thing maybe God created, but they got them to worship them as a spirit or as a God, the sun being one of them. And so Ezekiel 1 it's hard to digest some of that stuff, but it talks about the cherubs and the four faces and the eyes and the wings, and, and then it talks about the wheels. So these beings are moving, and they move from one, and they, and they move like lightning. And, and God says this, okay, you say, well, that's just really hard. It's almost fantasy. But God's saying it's exactly what's going on behind the scenes, and Satan knows that, and he knows how to convince man to worship those those type of things that he refers to as celestial spirits. So we're going to get we're going to talk a little bit about this veil in the next study and really get not into great detail, but it'll make you think about what's going on really behind the scenes because if you think to yourself, well how in the world did we get to this place so fast in America and the things that we're doing that are just making you go, "What? How?" Well, then you understand what's going on behind the scenes. It, it starts to it starts to be pieced together. There's an ideology and a, and, a, and a religion going on that Satan is masterful at getting people to worship and to follow. So with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the truths that we've shared today. I pray that you will help us, Lord, to uh, really be a people that are merciful, a people that are kind, and a, but a people that are truly um, doing right by the the Spirit's work in our lives and by the power you give us. Help us, Lord, to always do right despite what's around us and always help us to show mercy toward those who are without Christ as we look to you and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.